We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yo, what up, my people? Striking gold. A 49ers podcast. This is our first ever Victory Monday podcast in the Kyle Shanahan era. The 49ers are starting 1-0. They didn't play that well, and they still won the game. So that's why I'm kind of pumped coming into this. The mood in San Francisco right now should be positive. Going to actually have kind of a tougher game than we anticipated with the Bengals next week, who look like a little bit of the mini Rams right now. <laughs> we'll get there. I um, want to welcome you if you're new. 49ers content, you're going to get a lot of it here from myself. I'm Kevin Jones, CEO, founder of Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. Yeah, man, so we're we're new. We have 65 podcasts, launching 10 new fantasy football ones in the next two weeks. So yeah, bluewirepods.com. If you're new, check out our full lineup. We talk 49ers here and we're freaking pumped to do so. Really weird game. I think there's like three or four major things to cover. Obviously how the offense played is one. How Jimmy G played is two. The play calling is three. Because I've got like five or six third downs I want to point out where it just, the 49ers weren't going for it. Like they played very conservative. If you've listened to the podcast before, I've debated how was Kyle going to change this thing up. It seemed like, he didn't want to put too much on Jimmy G's plate week one in Tampa Bay. 
uh, and maybe got spooked after the pick six. So, I mean, this is all about the 49ers defense. Game ball to Akilah Witherspoon and Richard Sherman. I mean, the 49ers defense scored two touchdowns, had multiple sacks, really uh, took advantage of stuff, and even dropped multiple pick six opportunities. But you still had people like Tarvarius Moore, Mark Enzacha, Eric Armstead had a huge sack late in the game, five minutes left, that really won the game. If you look at everything else that happened, Akilah Weatherspoon sealed the game, but Eric Armstead was in there. Nick Bosa was in there. D Ford, really everyone the 49ers brought together on defense. Their plan, like they, they didn't play that well on offense. Jimmy G didn't play that well, and they still won. I think that was a big thing I said in the podcast last episode with Rob. Can the 49ers still win when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play that well? They proved it week one. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many observations coming from this. Striking gold. Um, we're we're going to get into everything. This episode is brought to you by Indochino Suits. Right now we're giving you uh, a deal for a premium suit. $395. Indochino.com. Promo code blue wire um so yeah check those those guys out my bookie as well but we're gonna get into everything 49ers here um such a weird game with the touchdowns being overturned i mean the first half the 49ers only had six points it, it looked like really ugly football so many sloppy penalties that's another thing they're gonna have to clean up and then the third quarter comes i think they had a quick three and out but richard sherman has the pick six Richie James has that 39-yard touchdown. That was Jimmy G's best throw of the game. That was really the only deep pass down the field all game. I, they had that one um, really deep one on a third down late. But what's really encouraging is the 49ers didn't really run the football that effectively either. They had Tevin Coleman had a couple big plays early. Raheem Mostert had a big play late in the fourth quarter that really helped seal the game. It's like a 26- or 30-yard run there. Matt Breida came in and had had a burst, but it's not like the 49ers ran the ball down Tampa Bay's throat. The offense really ran through George Kittle. And the key third down late where Jimmy G did convert, George Kittle was lined up outside at receiver and ran a slant <laughs> slant on third down and four and won the route. Um, he's clearly the focal point. He had two touchdowns called back, kind of a frustrating afternoon for him, but he's the number one option in this offense, the security blanket, anything intermediate, 8 to 15 yards, George Kittle can normally make the first defender miss, too. It's not like he's just this run-after-catch guy. Oh, he gets in space and then just sprints away. He's making people miss. Just an impressive afternoon from him all around. Um, Debo Samuel had the fumble. Dante Pettis was very quiet. Marquise Goodwin had kind of a key drop, and Kyle's got to just really shake his head at that because Marquise Goodwin gets open, but he's had drops and injury stuff. It's frustrating from time to time with the offense, but you know, they did enough to win. I really want to go to the play calling because this was a little concerning moving forward here and Jimmy G like good vibes. 49ers are one to know we're coming in the first five minutes of this podcast. We're very happy about this team, but time to come back to reality, you know, wins. They're still going to look at the tape that these guys are going to, review the same plays here. And I've got really five plays on third or fourth down that were very baffling. Third and 15, first drive, screen pass to George Kittle, like basically conceding. I think they were on like the 20 or 25-yard line, like not even trying to go for a touchdown, really dumping this off to Kittle to 
concede and have three points there. Um, you you like to see this team go for touchdowns early on. There was a third and one. I understand that going to Tevin Coleman there in the second quarter. Another third and three in the second quarter. Tevin Coleman stuffed. I just feel like Kyle really on third down was really keen on running. Um, you know, the third and 17 play, we mentioned Debo Samuel had the fumble there. They had just got the Mark Enzacha pick in the second quarter. A lot of momentum, a chance to get a touchdown. Then Debo fumbles. It's third and 17, another screen pass. It was just kind of too predictable, it felt. Like, it's really weird to be criticizing Kyle's play calling. That's not something that I expected after week one. Maybe that was the plan, and he was really relying on the defense to make as many plays as they did. But the 49ers had to score on defense twice to win this football game. That's an indictment of the offense. It's a little bit of an indictment of the play calling. It felt very raggedy out there. We're not going to break down every play here on the Striking Gold podcast, but yeah, it just felt like Jimmy G was a little inaccurate. He was throwing short of the sticks on some downs, even when the the pass was incomplete, like it wasn't going to be a first down. Confidence isn't there w- with him. He doesn't feel like the quarterback from December of 2017 right now. I think it's okay to publicly admit that and still think this football team is going to be in a good place and say Jimmy G has a long way to go. I think he finished like, what, 16 of 24? Less than 200 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That was, I mean... Three defensive touchdowns in this game. Neither quarterback was good. I mean, a big observation here is that Jameis Winston's awful. The the Buccaneers gave the 49ers this game. The refs also called every penalty. Like they were they were not getting a break at all. Tampa Bay kind of got screwed on a couple flags. Um, they don't really have any difference makers on defense either. It just felt like the 49ers were off. It's not like the Tampa Bay came out and threw this great game plan and like stifled. It was like the 49ers were off. They could have won this game by more, but Hey, at the end of the day, this team is 1-0 for the first time in a long time. And, I, you know, Kyle wasn't a part of this when we were all talking Chip Kelly and Jim Tom Sula. That was even before me. Like, this feels good. This feels really fucking good. Go to Youngstown, build on this momentum. Losing this game was not, oh, man, it was really going to be bad. And coming out and just laying a dud in the first half. Yeah, thank God Richard Sherman, that pick six, really ignited everything. Then Jimmy G was able to score a touchdown on the next possession offensively. So the 49ers grabbed control of the game in the third quarter, kind of let it go. So, I mean, if you want to criticize the defense a little bit, I know I gave the whole unit the game ball at the start of this, but Ronald Jones did run all over them in the fourth quarter and, like, almost came back. They seemed a little gassed. Multiple people have mentioned this on Twitter, but, I mean, it's pretty clear. The 49ers' D-line was the best unit on the football field today. They made the investment there. They impacted the game in a positive way. Jameis is also a pretty bad football player. This could be his last year ever starting. He could be a backup. He reminds me almost of Mark Sanchez, the way he plays. It's like, it's very true. Frustrating for Mike Evans. Chris Godwin's a good player. Cameron Braid had that great catch in the second quarter. They got called back. So, I mean, they got screwed. One thing that really flipped the game that Kyle should be thinking about here was the 57-yard field goal with Robbie Gold. Off the crossbar, so... You know, Kyle can say, I mean, he almost made it, so was it really that bad of a call? But then Tampa Bay kind of got momentum after that. And they didn't end up seizing the game, but the 49ers defense had just allowed a touchdown, and then you put them in a bad spot at the 47-yard line, and Tampa kind of started moving the football. Um, Yeah, that was really the only bad possession defensively was the third quarter there after the missed field goal. Or no, right before that. Third quarter and fourth quarter, it it was a little... 
bleeding into each other there. Um, but, you know, the game really became something in the second half. The 49ers seized control and held control, and you, you got to like it. But, <laughs> you know, they shot themselves in the foot a bunch of times and still won the football game. That's an improvement. That's a step in the right direction. Nothing to dump Gatorade coolers over each other in the locker room. Like, enough what Joe Staley did. He grabbed someone, hugged him on the sideline, get that energy out. <laughs> Robert Sala during a game. <laughs> can we Can 49ers.com please mic him up during a game the whole time, have a film crew on him? He's literally jumping up and down as excited as anyone ever, getting his guys jacked up. Um, the missed tackling was another thing defensively that I've noted here. You don't love seeing all that. Oh, how about Quan Alexander? I mean, comes in, makes an impact, is like hitting people pretty hard, dropped that interception, like he's around the ball a lot. Then he gets ejected, loses his cool. Come on, hot boys. Fred Warner forced a fumble too. Like literally everyone got in on the action defensively. You you freaking love seeing this. They were sharing the mantle. Like DeForest Buckner didn't have to stand out because there was other people making plays around him. He's getting double teamed quite a bit now. Um, it's really hard. Like, don't be in a bad mood if you're a 49ers fan right now. Come on. You're 1-0. You can be a little peeved by how they played, but you should have enjoyed that. You know, the fourth quarter got a little nail-bitey there. First half was honestly disgusting. It looked like both of these teams, like, uh, are, these, are both of these teams going to suck? We saw enough from Jimmy G. How about one prediction? Let me pat myself on the back like I do from time to time on striking gold. I said Richie James is going to come in here and steal a job. I don't, they're going to have to cut someone, probably a third or the, the fourth tight end. They might hold on to seven receivers as long as they can here because of injury situations and why not. But Richie James is active every week. Even when Trent Taylor's back, when Jalen Hurd's back, you're damn believing Richie James is on the field. That was a great route. Put him in the slot. He can play a little outside too. He's going to return kicks. He can return punts. Yeah, a little concerned about Dante and Debo offensively, but it's week one. Come on. No big judgments here. Come on. One little sliver of pie is gone from this pizza of this season. We got to see how the rest of it unfolds. Striking Gold podcast. All right, let's hear a little bit from our sponsors and then we'll be right back to analyze, you know, a deeper dive into the 49ers win over the Buccaneers. You know what? I feel so much better when I put on a suit. I feel confident. There's one problem. Guys keep buying generic off the rack suits. That's why Blue Wires pumped a partner with Indochino for an amazing new deal on a suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements. It fits. It's comfortable. It's not none of the stuff that you buy from the mall and you're like, this doesn't even fit me. I don't look cool. You're getting married? They have tons of options for wedding parties. Um, it's so easy to get started. You can visit a stylist at Indochino's showrooms, Indochino.com. And so this week, Striking Gold listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369. Indochino.com. Enter code BLUEWIRE at checkout. Shipping is free on this deal. Indochino.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE. Any premium suit, $369. Free shipping. That's an amazing deal. That's an amazing deal. I'm getting my suit today. This is a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you never go back. So that's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Get your suit today. Don't be this guy. Don't be the guy picking the Chiefs to win every Sunday 
and they win, but you didn't put money on it. And now you feel like an idiot. Don't be this guy. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on football this season, bet with my bookie. Mybookie.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Activate your offer. Guess what? You can bet on games after kickoff. By the second half, it doesn't look like you're going to win. Bet on the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes a lot of games, you can make a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings no matter how you bet this NFL season. It's the best time of year. So mybookie.ag. Prove you're the smart guy. Sports gambling is in. This trend is going nowhere. You don't want to start doing this in 2025 when other people have been doing it a while and making money and having a lot more fun watching the NFL. MyBookie.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. If you join now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie, promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we're back. Shout out to Indochino and MyBookie. They're riding with a young brand like BlueWire. They want their companies associated with us. You listen to us, check them out. Give them the page view. If you need a suit, if you want to make some sports bets, those are two brands that we're working with. All right, Striking Gold, Rob, and Croc are going to be previewing week two at Cincinnati. All of a sudden, like I thought that was a slam dunk win. They go to Seattle, push the Seahawks to the brink, are making huge plays down the field, John Ross. Now I don't feel as bad about the 49ers secondary. They shut me up a little bit. And Akilla Witherspoon, he had a decent game. I mean, Mike Evans beat him a few times. You're going to understand that out of position once or twice. But hey, there was a play to be made. He made the play at the end of the game. Jameis basically threw the football to him, and he still freaking made the play. I tweeted this to someone. Stealing candy from a baby, you still got to do it. Like if it's right there, you got to execute that small, easy play. The 49ers did that. Mark Anzacha blocked a punt early on too. It was just like play after play, the 49ers were the team making it. It feels like for the last two years, it's been the other way around. Like so many other teams are making plays on the 49ers. The big plays were in San Francisco's favor. And the 49ers are now 1-0. and Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to give the defense, what, you got to give them a B plus, if not an A minus. I mean, they won this game without the pick sixes. This is probably a loss. And no one's feeling good about Jimmy G and Kyle if this is a loss. No one's positive vibes. Everyone's going to be like, oh, this could be a tough season. Like, you got to brace for it. All of a sudden, the D picks up the slack. The investments on the D line pan out. (laughs) <laughs> this is something. Isn't this great? This is amazing. The 49ers beat an inferior football team on the road. They'll stay on the road. They'll go to Youngstown. Um, yeah, I mean, specifically w- with the defense, Tarvarius Moore, I'm not pulling him off the field. Jimmy Ward's better next week. I feel bad. You know what I mean? You can dunk and tweet and just make fun of Jimmy Ward so much. So much bad shit is happening to this guy. It's almost unreal how injured that he's getting all the time we're not gonna harp on the 49ers decision to stick with him but leave him in a backup role develop to various more now understand that you're not a super bowl caliber team this season so develop a young safety play jimmy ward if necessary but tarvarius more that key fourth down play the 49ers jumped off sides on a field goal attempt so the buccaneers decided to go for it on fourth down you know Jameis throws the ball over the middle of the field tarvarius more 
Could have had a pick six if he got his hands on it, but I'm happy enough that he kept him off the field. Turnover on downs. He was there to make the play. He showed enough in the preseason. I think he'll hold on to the job. I got to see snap counts, but felt like Bosa did play a decent amount. I felt like D Ford really wasn't out of position as much as I had worried about in the run game either. And Armstead, when he had his key sack, was in at uh, D tackle. He's been a very good interior pass rusher there on third downs. That is a good role for him to have. And right now, I mean, he's he's earning those snaps. Ronald Blair had a fumble recovery. Literally every single person was in on the action. This is amazing. Everyone was kind of flying around the football today. Heat wasn't an issue. Yeah, I mean, I think what you could see next week from Jimmy Garoppolo is more play action fakes more bootleg off the left and right early on. That really worked with George Kittle. I think you got to move Jimmy Garoppolo out of the pocket right now. He's not seeing things perfectly. Get him more in a rhythm early on. I think he's very good on the move. He he kind of likes making awkward throws. And sometimes if there's a clean pocket, he still isn't fully setting his feet. Like he He likes a little bit of an awkward throw. And I've noticed that. And a lot of the film that you watch about him comes out, you know, on Tuesday. So we, I really you know, want to take a closer look at this. But to me, that's observation one from Kyle of how he can tweak the game plan next week. Move the pocket. Pull back some RG3 plays. Really, like, don't, I mean, don't expose Jimmy G like RG3 and, and do the read option, that stuff. But I'm talking about very simple concepts of getting him on the run. There was a lot of short passing today. He's going to throw interceptions this season. You know, I'm betting on 15 interceptions from Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to have a game where he has three or four. He's going to have a dud. He's going to need to play next week because it could be more of a shootout. Certain games like Tampa Bay, you're going to be able to get away with this, where he has less than 250 yards passing, where he doesn't play that well. Certain games, he's going to have to win the game for the football team. Little concerning. I mean, someone who I view very high in the football world texted me, and said, Nick Mullins, LOL, question mark. Jimmy G looked terrible. There's And there's certain 49ers fans who will point to certain throws and say he didn't look that bad. It's really early. It's week one. No major reactions. Um, he's got to improve. That's very clear. And people get defensive of this guy as you paid him a huge chunk of money. Most of the money is paid these first two years. We'll see how this whole season plays out. It It's not going to look this bad every week. And again, he did enough to win. He needed a lot from his defense. But, you know, the focal point coming out of this nationally, you know, locally we discuss all the little microscopic things. Nationally, the microscope's going to get bigger on Jimmy Garoppolo, especially because of fantasy and because that's a lot of the content that's out there these days. The microscope will be on his stats and the play calling for the 49ers didn't go for it. They didn't. I think Kyle may have gotten spooked after the pick six. It was literally like we can probably keep kicking field goals and win this game because Jameis is not doing anything. So I can understand what Kyle was thinking on the fly. But at a certain point, you got to let Jimmy G just sit back there and, and rip it a little bit more. There's got to be some trust. He's going to have to play through this. He's going to have to keep missing some throws here. He's going to have to figure out how to get Dante Pettis involved. Need some splash plays from Dante. I just rewatched the 12-minute highlight that YouTube puts out, which I highly recommend 
watching right afterwards so you can really comprehend what happened. I don't remember seeing Dante Pettis on that highlight once. Tampa Bay shouldn't be shutting you out like that. Bengals defense, they did an okay job against Seattle. Again, Croc and Rob are going to preview that Wednesday on Striking Gold. I love how much content we're putting out there on Blue Wire. Um, So yeah, I'm pretty high on the 49ers right now. I'm not viewing this negatively at all. Listen, this is a long season. This is enough to like smoke a cigar and or drink a glass of champagne. Like NFL wins are going to be hard to come by. This team is probably going to go eight and eight, nine and seven, could be seven and nine, could tip one way or the other. Enjoy this. <laughs> Don't be so hard on this team where you're stressed out. Don't go back and look at your Twitter feed after the game and you're just criticized them the whole fucking time. Like enjoy this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. They won a game. Year three, Kyle, it's not that bad. They're not one of the best teams in the league. I mean, you know, I'm watching Red Zone at 10 a.m. out here and just looking at some of the other teams. (laughs) Look at what the Ravens did today with Lamar Jackson. That game plan. I mean, they're throwing the football down the field. They're isolating one-on-one coverage. They're really doing something there in Baltimore. Greg Roman, I know 49ers fans think he kind of sucks. He's blown some things, but... They're on to something there. There was just some weird scores today all around the league. Um, no, nah, man, the, the 49ers are going to be able to stack up. It's going to be a fun year. Steelers week three. God, the Steelers got the their the doors blown off them today. The Rams hung on there and beat the Panthers. Kind of a slugfest. The Panthers might be better than people are expecting. How about the Falcons shitting the bet a little bit against Minnesota? I think this year probably is going to be a wild card team. If I had to bet now, looking at them week one, again, snap judgments here. A lot of teams have gone on to lose week one, win a Super Bowl before. So everyone calm down. Even the Redskins look good for a half. I mean, they're going to (laughs) be a hot mess this year. So the NFL is back. The 49ers are 1-0. We can get into the very granular, granular details here, inside baseball stuff. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, like I predicted, you saw him line up a tight end some. Like to see him more involved in the offense next week. Really, it's astounding that George Kittle is doing what he's doing. I think it's tough for corners to guard him. It really is. Because he's so big, he can get position on slant routes. It's all about winning leverage inside or outside. And he uses his body so well and is moving much quicker than tight ends. He cannot be underestimated at all anymore. Kyle used him all over the field. Too many screen passes from Kyle. Not into that. Wide receiver screens on third downs, yuck. On a first down, I like him a lot more. On a third down, it's a low chance of success, and it's not giving Jimmy G the confidence he needs to build this football team and build this offense. And that's okay. You know, I don't want to criticize Kyle too hard because I said, what is the game plan going to be? Is it going to be more to Jimmy G's strengths? He didn't want to put too much on his plate. So, I mean... There's a lot more behind the scenes that we don't know here. We're going off everything that we saw. A lot of observations coming out here. The offense has to be better next week. And they won't be scared to say that in that building because the expectations are high. O-line was fine. I wasn't ever like, holy shit, the O-line's messing up. It wasn't like that at all. Um, running backs, God, they're injured so much again with Tevin Coleman. How long is he going to be out? No, one thing, I am comfortable with Raheem Mostert being the number one running back. He can get in there and fly. And he usually, just like George Kittle, makes the first person miss. Kyle loves that. 
How many yards did they get after their first touch? Alfred Morris was a G back in the day on that. Kyle loves that stat. All right, your first touch, now how many yards do you get? That's huge in the offense. A two-yard play can go to an eight- or nine-yard play every time. And now you're in third and manageable. Yeah, third downs have got to change too. Kyle, Kyle will. Um, end of the day, this team is on track. They beat the Bengals. They're going to be feeling amazing. And then coming home to a Steelers team who did not look the same without Antonio Brown. I know I was hyping him up this offseason. Look at what he did to the Raiders. I mean, we, we should talk about Antonio Brown here for a second because he probably would have pulled these types of stunts, but I think I think Kyle could have gotten him on the same page. But this is what Antonio Brown's doing. He's trying to become bigger than the team. He's trying to become an NBA player. This is what he's actually trying to do. Think about it. Antonio Brown is more relevant than the Buffalo Bills than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The news that he generated the last month or two is its own franchise, is its own money. Like, of course he's going to get paid what he gets paid because the NFL is doing this, but he might be changing shit for the next decade. And if there's a strike in 2021, we look at this as a watershed moment. Um, so it's crazy. I don't really support the actions that he's doing. Like, he's be- he was a terrible co-worker in Oakland on purpose to get out of that team. Like our, at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter, we've been tweeting a lot more. Follow us there. We're comparing it to Jimmy Butler in the NBA. It's the same thing, like really like causing drama to get out of a situation, taking control. I don't know what type of grievances are going to be filed. There's some people suggest, suggesting that the move could be nullified by the league office. Like this was Chris Paul traded to the Lakers back in the day. This is absolute craziness with him. The point being, he wants to be the center of attention. He wants all of this. He doesn't care how many people hate him. He's going to do really the opposite of what has been done to garner attention and prove that he's this just humongous personality who deserves all this attention. So, I mean, he's an attention whore. It's it's annoying. I... I don't want to say I respect what he's doing, but I understand what he's doing. He's trying to build his brand to be as big as an NFL team. Like what has happened in the NBA, where literally the personalities and superstars matter more than the actual franchises, like where these certain stars are. It'll never be that way in football because it's 53 guys. But Antonio Brown, I mean, don't tell him that. Like he's going to try and take control of this narrative. I'm happy this didn't happen in San Francisco it could have been a way to accelerate hot seats and really cause some problems. I do think that Kyle and John Lynch would have gotten rid of him had he done all this shit, especially like recorded a conversation, put it on YouTube. They would have been like, you're automatically out. I think they they had intel from Pittsburgh that how crazy this shit actually was and they just didn't want to deal with it. We need to see him on the field, but I mean, it, it does swing the pendulum to now the Patriots are probably the favorites to win the Super Bowl if they weren't already, I mean, I picked the Chiefs, but now if if AB who is AB and he shows up to New England and brings AB there, and they can manage him out the field, they're they're going to be unbelievably better on offense. And so you know, my argument was that AB is going to go to a team and help them potentially win a Super Bowl in New England. It's not even fair, but I mean, the Raiders' odds to win the Super Bowl drop from forty to one to one hundred to one. So he's got a point. He makes that big of a difference to an offense, to a football team. 
he wants to be treated such ways. It's really ridiculous. I did not want to waste too much of the podcast on it, but I have been outspoken in the offseason. The 49ers should really look to trade for him because I do think he's a Hall of Famer. I do think that he's going to really help a football team on the field. The Raiders were never on the same page. This is just showing that Mayock probably didn't really want to do the deal. Gruden did. All the leaks that were happening out of it, all the all the content that Antonio Brown was creating off of it to feed his own hype. It, it really, to me, was a bigger deal than Terrell Owens back in the day doing the push-ups and calling out his quarterback because it was just like A.B. was pouring as much gasoline onto the situation as any player ever has. He was escalating his situation and becoming literally the talk of the entire league. Um, that's enough of it. He's on the Patriots now. They're probably going to win another Super Bowl. And really, for the 49ers, we're just hoping they make the playoffs, man. Like, they're in a whole freaking other league. To me, my last piece of this, I don't think Antonio Brown had this planned out as his master game. I think he was pushing so many buttons and realized at the last second this was a button that he could push and why he really pushed Mayock over the edge. I don't think Bill Belichick put him put it up to him. I think Drew Rosenhaus maybe in his head was like, all right, if it's really not going to work out here, who can we get you to? Again, Rosenhaus strikes. I mean, dude is absolutely unbelievable. A, a legend, and it's cool to like see him operate, even though like it was part damage control, part just the Patriots will take a chance on any type of playmaker like this. All right. My Antonio Brown piece has been said. The 49ers need another weapon on offense. They need Debo and Dante Pettis to definitely show up. That would ease a lot of things for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yet we have to go back and look at it. I don't know if they weren't getting open. He wasn't seeing them. A combination of both is most likely the offense will get into a better rhythm. Um, how long can the defense sustain this? I think that's the big question coming out of this. Can the 49ers play like this every week? No, they're not going to force five turnovers, block punts every week. Um, Can they relentlessly rush the passer, force more third and longs? They're breaking up more passes. They're just, they're flying around the football more. The defense looks and feels different. It's funny, Bosa still kind of looks small in the field, but he's still pretty fast and like making the impact. His sack was kind of a chase down of Jameis Winston. He also got shook a little bit in the backfield. He really isn't the quickest. Like he, to me, is more of a power rusher. Uh, I mean, he does have chase down speed as well, but it's not like he—he he doesn't look like Miles Garrett out there. Like he doesn't look like Jadavion Clowney. He's more of like a combat fighter out there who like gets it done around the edge, and he's going to develop a lot more. But I mean. He's loving it, posting a pic on Instagram of himself afterwards. Like, this is awesome. 49ers have a top two pick. He came in game one, made a sack. You're happy about this a lot. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming the 49ers flew to Ohio tonight. I haven't seen many of the tweets after the game. Unplugged a little bit. Worked on Blue Wire, the business. Flying to New York City this week. Got some cool meetings up there. Um, So I'll be on the East Coast with the 49ers as well. And then they'll be practicing at Youngstown, Ohio as they get prepared for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I mean, enjoy this. Enjoy this. And, like, the NFL is back. Red Zone was amazing today. Great game between the Colts and Chargers. Kyler Murray is a damn fighter. For how small he looks on the field, to force a tie, 
they were getting their asses kicked. Um, unbelievable opening Sunday. The NFL is king in sports. Blue Wire is going to be delivering you a lot more content. Stay tuned. We have two big pods coming on our network this week. One affiliated with a reporter who works at the NFL Network. The other is a current quarterback in the NFL is joining Blue Wire. You'll see that announcement Monday and Tuesday this week. A uh, lot of cool shit going on with our brand right now. Please uh, support, share with friends. Podcasting is organic. It's word of mouth. It really is. You got to tell your friends about Blue Wire. We appreciate it. You're always going to get 49ers content and analysis here. Yeah, I'm pumped about the team. Who had a bad game? Besides Jimmy G and Kyle a little bit, everyone else really kind of stepped up. I mean, we, the receivers didn't as much, but the defense did. The O-line did. Robbie Gold made a couple kicks. Mitch Wisnowski had a deep punt. Feeling good about the 49ers. They didn't play amazing. They still won the football game. You hadn't really been able to say that in years past. It's a big step in the right direction. All right, Striking Gold brought to you by Indochino and my bookie. Check out our sponsors this week. Promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we will talk to you again Thursday. They'll be recording Wednesday night. Rob and Croc. Striking Gold on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.